everyone, and welcome back to Processions. Today, I'm going to be reading from Greg Grandin's The End of the Myth, From the Frontier to the Border Wall in the Mind of America. This is a really important work of history that I think does a lot of interesting exploration into really the question of what a sort of guiding American mythology is composed of. And there are a lot of things that Grandin critiques throughout this, but I think I'm going to isolate one in particular, which is this sense of the frontier as the myth of boundlessness. And so we're going to read first from Grandin's introduction, pages eight and nine, and then perhaps unpack this with a bit more vigor. Grandin writes, The world's horizon is not limitless. Not all can share in its wealth and the nation's policies should reflect that reality. That argument isn't new. Over the years, there have been two versions of it. One is humane, a recognition that modern life imposes obligations, that nature's resources aren't infinite, and that society should be organized in a way that distributes fortune, that distributes, and that society should be organized in a way that distributes fortune as fairly as possible. The other thinks that recognition of limits requires domination. Quote, to live past the end of your myth is a perilous thing, unquote. The Canadian poet Anne Larson once said, with Trump, America finds itself at the end of its myth. To talk about the frontier is also to talk about capitalism, about its power and possibility and its promise of boundlessness. Donald Trump figured out that to talk about the border and to promise a wall was a way to acknowledge capitalism's limits, its pain, without having to challenge capitalism's terms. Trump ran promising to end the wars and to reverse the extreme anti-regulatory and free market program of his party. Once in office, though, he accelerated deregulation, increased military spending, and expanded the wars. But he kept talking about his wall. That wall might or might not be built, but even if it remains only in its phantasmagoria, budgetary stage, a perpetual negotiating chip between Congress and the White House, the promise of a 2,000-mile-long, 34-foot-high ribbon of concrete and steel running along the United States' southern border serves its purpose. It's America's new myth, a monument to the final closing of the frontier. It is a symbol of a nation that used to believe that it has escaped history or at least strode atop history, but now finds itself trapped by history, and of a people who used to think they were captains of the future, but now are prisoners of the past. And I think the first thing I want to talk about is just the really powerful language and the, the multiple threads that Grandin is tying together with these articulations about a, a real America that has to reckon with its limits. And I certainly want to honor every aspect of his really biting rhetoric and polemical writing. Um, and I also want to say, though, that what's really interesting to me about this is, is Grandin also seems to be victim to the end of this myth, too. There's a real emotional tenor here in his critique of the boundlessness of ideology that he is also trying to reckon with what it means to have limits and on what terms those limits are going to be 
essentially fought. Now, but I also want to say, right, this front, the frontier myth, the myth of, myth of boundlessness, this is a quantitative articulation of boundlessness. We at Money on the Left, we talk about the boundless public center that is money. And we don't mean that in a spatial sense, right? Money is not infinite as resource. Money is not infinite as space. Space is relatively finite, but our capacity for inclusion qualitatively is abundant. It is infinite, right? It doesn't mean that if ever, everything stays the same, we can print infinite money. This means that given our capacity over time to organize qualitatively with an infinite medium, we can account for difference. We can account for people who would traditionally be called migrants, right? What are just, I would want to say, people from a territory called Mexico or from South America who want to come to the United States. There is literal space and qualitative accounting space for everyone. And so I think Grandin here actually falls victim to the myth in its end, right? He, he posits its dialectical opposite by saying, we have to humanely distribute the fortune. Rather than saying, sure, there are absolutely barriers. All of this racism, all of this accumulated wealth and power by the rich and billionaires and all of these things. But he gives far too much to this myth in its own undoing, right? Oh, the frontier is over. What that means is that there was a moment for him where the frontier was a source of infinity, of boundlessness. This was always a contingent, qualitative, bounded, political program. And it still is. But the question is where it was bounded, right? It's bounded in, on a sort of humanity and a human a sense of human production it's not bounded in a sense of qualitative abundance and working through all the way we can see how we can articulate a non-zero-sum vision because what Grandin is saying is that here's the world as it is it's finite nature is finite resources are finite space is finite and there are two ways we can go. We can choose to be humane about how we distribute the remaining fortunes, or we go through the path of domination. And I think if anyone's familiar with, you know, social democratic redistributive policies, we've covered this on superstructure many times. The zero sum world means you have to articulate a common denominator that is maximally inclusive as possible, but necessarily is exclusionary. It necessarily is. And so we need to really put pressure on Grandin's sense of and critique of boundlessness. Historicize what liberal boundlessness has implied as a quantitative materialist boundlessness, right? Where there's always more space, always more resources. And say, that is absolute bullshit. And you know what? That's a contracted articulation of boundlessness. Instead, then, opening the qualitative differentiation, the qualitative boundlessness that is money, and the qualitative capacity of accounting as a mode of accounting for difference, accounting for history, right? We can think about reparations exactly in this way, to then use a left MMT, MMT humanities articulation that says, no, 
Boundlessness is not about space. Boundlessness is about difference. And we can account for that. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.